You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And welcome once again to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, prideofdetroit.com, at Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to find us. We're here to have debate, talk about Lions, and maybe the Detroit Lions too. And probably the NFL. We're sitting here on the wild card weekend. Not all the games are finished yet, but we are watching the Chargers beating down the Baltimore Ravens, and I'm here sitting watching it with Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit Online. How you doing? I am doing wonderful. Off-season, baby. Off Getting season. so much sleep. Mm-hmm. I'm Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett, P-E-R-F-E-T-T. So adequate, forgot to introduce myself first. And last but not least, especially not least, probably most important here, Ryan Matthews. Back is the motherfucking rock guy. At Ryan underscore P-O-D. Ryan, come into me, buddy. Uh, Chris, thank you for the moniker of being last but not least and most important. Makes me feel good. It is. It is. It's it's the magic sauce. He's here and he's working that sauce. You're too sauce. kind. Uh, what are we talking about today? We've got uh, a fun, fun development. We have a guest, not of the POD family, coming in here. Sam Dodge will be joining us later. Uh, I recorded something with him. We are talking with him about. University of Michigan draft prospects. You know, Michigan finished their year uh, with a bowl game. I didn't watch it. Jeremy, what happened in the bowl game? Uh, sorry, I uh, I blacked out when you said draft. <laughs> we also talked a lot of a little bit of Michigan basketball. Just just to kind of we're we're starting to get to that phase of the year where we're starting to like get out of ba- football and start to parachute into other things. So as we talk to some of the local some of the local teams I would say so we have we did Michigan today hopefully in the coming weeks we'll have Michigan State probably some of the directional Michigans maybe some more MAC action maybe over the board it's Toledo talk about some of those guys before going out and spreading our branches all over the place for more draft coverage I'm pride to Detroit but if, first uh, we start yeah if we're going to get a Michigan State guy for draft talk we're going to have to probably fill like 95 minutes for the rest of the episode okay unnecessary hey if you're gonna take shots at michigan off the top i gotta i gotta shoot back this is the guy this is the guy who was like saying that i was being a usc homer when reports were coming out from pft about cliff kingsbury i didn't say anything about that no you didn't it's in the slack that was kyle yost my friend was that Yoast? It was. All, all you Michigan God people damn. look the same. Yeah, yeah. You all, you all look the same, and you all like fruit salad. <laughs> all right, let's get on to the first topic of the day. Uh, Bob Quinn actually talked to someone. He talked to a lot of people, actually. First time we have seen General Manager Bob Quinn address the press since April was this week. And Jeremy, you were there. You did a pretty long Twitch on that, which, by the way, if you're not following us, we are now on twitch.tv, twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. Alex also has his own channel, but uh, we're not going to promote that one. We're promoting (laughs) Pride of Detroit. Get more followers to that one. If you like watching video games while talking about the Detroit Lions, follow twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. Jeremy, you talked a long time on that presser. So, what was your big take? Like, what what's the big what's the big talking points? Fill me in here. Well, okay. Uh, first, just really quick on the Twitch channel, um, we're doing more than video game stuff. Like, what we did was essentially like an hour podcast, almost with me and John Whitaker. Um, so, if you're interested in, in like additional content, uh, definitely go over there, give us a follow. 
Maybe yeah, like subscription years. if you wanna if you wanna support us in a way that you've never really had the opportunity to do before. In years past, we've kind of done Facebook Live, but as kind of Facebook Lives kind of fallen off, we've kind of replaced some of that live content with uh, Twitch.tv, and you should check it out. Absolutely, you can get a nice little app and get notified every time we go live and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But anyways, let's go get onto the presser. Um, my number one takeaway was just how well Bob Quinn spoke and and sounded. Um, didn't sound like a guy in panic. Didn't sound like a guy who didn't know the things that went wrong this year. He sounded like a guy in charge. And um, I, I think he left a lot of people wanting more, but not, and not in a sense that he didn't say enough, just that um, he, he played it so well that people are like, why aren't we getting this all year round? And Bob Quinn said himself in the press conference, like, yeah, that's not happening. Uh, I'm, I'm of the mindset that in season, the coach is, is he's your guy. He's the, the face of the franchise. He's the guy that um, has control. And, and that's just how things work here. And, that's not all that abnormal in the NFL, but anyways, uh, I just thought um, really professional. Maybe it was just three or four months of listening to Matt Patricia go head to head with the media uh, that having Bob Quinn come in there and act like, you know, like a general manager of a company um, was a, a breath of fresh air. He, he went for almost an hour. He answered literally everyone's question when the, when the media guy was telling him, you know, one more question, he's like, no, no, I want everyone in here to, to get their questions answered. So he literally stood up there until there were no more questions being thrown at him. And uh, that, that was really nice to, to see. Ryan, what's your big takeaway on the uh, Patricia, uh, almost said Patricia, the uh, Quinn presser. Uh, I think my big takeaway was when he said, Oh yeah, Connor cooks here. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> there was a question on like what he sees in like <laughs> the lions. <laughs> what he sees in like the recently acquired Connor Cook and he said like oh yeah we saw him like up close and personal you know in the preseason for those joint practices and that's where I kind of said oh yeah Connor Cook's here <laughs> so like, yeah okay, news, cool. news background on that the Lions did sign former Michigan State quarterback Connor Cook to a futures deal uh, uh a quick aside for uh, a mini <laughs> Wally's world is that uh oh yeah here we go. W- w- Wally saw me the other day and he says so the Lions' uh, new backup quarterback is Connor Cook and I said God I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, in all in all sincerity and in all seriousness, I think the biggest takeaway was uh, Bob Quinn's stance on Matthew Stafford. I know a lot of the um a lot of the talk so far after the season had ended even, you know, towards the end of the season was potential Matthew Stafford trades and what those things might look like. And if they're even possible, I think what Bob Quinn did when he went up there and did that press conference was reiterate that Matthew Stafford is the franchise's quarterback, that he will be moving forward. And I believe him. I wholeheartedly believe him. And I think that there are some people who say, well, how could you not take that stance? Because if you go up there and say that he's expendable or tradable or whatever it is the case, it's going to lessen his value. I I just don't buy that the Lions are in the market for trading arguably their best offensive player in however many years. So uh, I'm I'm totally in on what Bob Quinn had to say about Matthew Stafford being the team's quarterback moving forward. It's yeah. funny that we've gotten to that point, right, Jeremy, that it's gotten to this point where it's like we need to hear it from Bob Quinn, even though I think, as we've said many times this podcast, I don't think it makes any sense whatsoever to even be thinking about trading Matt Stafford, not because of any kind of skill quality, but just just the, the, the general realities of it. Yeah, and I, I mean, I was at the presser and I had a real tough time not rolling my eyes it the first 15 to 20 minutes of that presser were all Matthew Stafford questions pretty much. And it just goes to show you the disconnect between some of the media in this town and what's actually happening inside the organization. Cause like you said, it's just this sort of trader cutting Matthew Stafford is, is not a feasible option. Even, even if uh, they wanted to move on from him and, and Bob Quinn, I think made it very clear. This is not just a contractual thing. Like they believe in Matthew Stafford, Matthew Stafford is his team's franchise quarterback. And I'm fully with Ryan and saying that, I believe him. He he could have very much in a way that wouldn't have necessarily hurt his trade value said something like, you know, Matthew Stafford's just like anyone else on our team. We're 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 going to evaluate how they did this year in the off season and, and see our options going forward. That would have been a very neutral thing to say, but he said what he went in on was completely uh, you know, all in on Matthew Stafford and and I I I'm still for it. Like we 
we obviously know Matthew Stafford did not have a good 2018 season. We know he could play better. We've seen him play better. Um, we know he also had an offensive coordinator who just got fired. And, and maybe Staff, you could argue Stafford got Bob Quinn fired, or I'm um, sorry, Jim Bob Cooter fired. But I, I think everyone can also agree that they weren't happy with the job he was doing. Um, injuries on the offensive line, no receivers by the end of the season. I mean, let's also not forget that Matthew, in 2018, Matthew Stafford put together the largest string of 100 passer rating games in his career in the middle of that. And I think since that happened two months ago, everyone has forgotten. Um, but yeah, just going back to what Ryan said, absolutely the, the biggest takeaway and, and unfortunately needed to be said, I, I don't, I don't know why, I guess, because the, uh, some of the guys that aren't normally in that press conference room uh, decided it was pick on Matthew Stafford day. But uh, I'm, I'm glad that Bob Quinn put it to best because I don't want to talk about it this off season. There's no point in talking about it this off season. I feel like we are going to be talking about it anyway, though. Just Maybe. about how it goes. But I mean, I for me, it's it's all about the contract when it comes to it, too. Like you kind of knew when you were jumping in with Stafford that this was for this was for a long haul. And unless he is like abysmally bad, and probably for more than sixteen games too, then there's no real way to kind of get out from under it anyway. So no, it's whatever. But I, like I mean, yeah, oh sorry, go on, Ryan. No, it, it is whatever, but I, I agree with Jeremy. Like, I mean, the, the first, you know, the first large portion of this press conference was so Matthew Stafford oriented and centric. And even one of the questions was like a hypothetical. Like, Jeremy, do you remember the question about like Matthew Stafford? Like, would you view him differently if his contract situation was different? It's like, okay, but like, why are we even entertaining this alternate timeline in right. which Matthew Stafford's contract <laughs> is something different? Like, this just seems like we're spinning gears. Like what, what's the purpose of this? So um, yeah, I, his, his language was, was the most important thing, like coming out and saying Matthew Stafford is our guy. So now we move on to the rest of the off season. And speaking of that, so I, I might as well say this because now we finally got to see Bob Quinn in the limelight. What are the expectations for Bob Quinn as we move into another draft season and free agency season here. Like I, there's been some scrutiny on a lot of his draft picks, but at the same time, probably the best in season move with uh, grabbing Damon Harrison. So I, I, I want to, I like, where, where are you feeling on Bob Quinn and what do you need to see him do this off season? To me, the answer is, is actually in free agency. I, I think he's proven in three years of drafting that he's at least average, maybe even above average, especially considering how good the 2018 draft class was. But I need to see him start hitting on some of his offseason uh, free agency moves because um, you, you look at last year's free agency, and it was kind of a disaster. And one of the eye-opening things I think he said during the press conference was when he was talking about the tight end situation and how he said, we literally looked at every single tight end on the market in free agency. We got close on some. We weren't close on others. Um, obviously he mentioned the, the Gronkowski trade kind of confirmed that they were in on that. He even said they were looking for it at the trade deadline. And when I take all that information in with the fact that they missed on a couple cornerbacks in free agency, um, and, and the fact that, you know, there was maybe some rumors that they were in for, for Vic Beasley at the trade deadline and that didn't happen. Um, I need to see Bob Quinn land more of those kind of deals. And, and you did mention the snacks thing. That's a, a you know, that's a pro. But I, I'm seeing a lot of cons here, and maybe it's the stigma of Detroit. Maybe players don't want to come here. Maybe Bob Quinn is just kind of working through some early GM things, and you know it's, it's a new role for him. Um, but I need to see him make some splashes on, on uh, in free agency or trade or whatever, because I do feel like he's gone for some big moves, but he hasn't landed them. And this team could have looked a lot differently if maybe they did land one of the, the better tight ends on the market last year. Yeah, I, I think there's some truth to be said to that. I mean, if if you look at probably the biggest splashes Bob Quinn has made in free agency, Jeremy, I think that the two that stand out the most immediately are are Ricky Wagner and then also TJ Lang. And yep. I feel like both of those experiments have been lukewarm at best. Now, I mean, mm-hmm. TJ Lang dealt with injuries. Those are things that can happen to any, any player you go out and sign. Uh, Rick Wagner's, I think, for the contract that he signed that made him, if I recall correctly, the richest right tackle in NFL history at the time or pretty close mm-hmm. to it. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, if you're, if you're grading against that scale, it's been like woefully um, 
you know, uh, woefully less than than stellar, but you know, he's been an average player at best. I think you can you can probably make the claim. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know how Bob Quinn is going to necessarily address what the Lions need in free agency in terms of how he's going to spend. Right? I mean, he has arguably maybe more money to play with than he has um, in any past free agency especially and but he's got big decisions to make too right i mean Ezekiel Ansa he talked about that during the press conference about how they need to you know evaluate his medicals and see if he can get back to being healthy and that's something that the lions haven't had in 3 seasons so he's going to have he's going to have more resources and it's going to be interesting to see how he decides to spend those resources and you say splash and i think you're using it in a in a very particular way i know you don't mean like go out and just spend, spend, spend a la, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles when they put together the dream team or even the New York Giants when they went out and spent a ton of money um, on defensive players or or something of the such. But um, we've talked about on the podcast about the the positions they need to fill. And it's going to be interesting to see whether or not Bob Quinn pays a premium for those positions in free agency. And I just want to jump in here really quick because there might be people screaming at their podcast. Uh, Marvin Jones, probably his, his biggest free agent splash signing. Um, yeah, all in terms of, in terms of impact and like production, I totally agree. But I mean, in terms of like actual, like money doled out, he's spent more on Wagner and Lang, I think. But yeah. Okay. I think that's, we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, Sam Dodge is coming later on the show. He's going to be talking Michigan draft prospects, but until we do, we're going to continue on a little bit about Bob Quinn, just on a different track. We're going to be talking about the decision Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia have to make on the offensive coordinator hire. We had our mini pod out when Jim Bob Cooter was uh, mutually departed is the language, but we will talk next here about what, what can come next. We, t- we talked a little bit on that podcast about like ideas, but we're just going to keep talking more offensive coordinator stuff is the big topic of the day. We're c- continuing with it here on the Pride of Detroit beauty cast. PrideDetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. The Pride of Detroit PODcast give you that little pregnant pause just to kind of digest all that information I'm throwing at you. Let's talk offense. Let's talk the offensive coordinator because God knows every time we do this show, we talk so much defense sometimes. It almost boggles my brain. Now we get to talk about the fun stuff. We get to talk about offense and offensive things. So, Earlier this week, we put out a quick mini podcast about Jim Bob Cooter. He was released or fired or uh, retired. I, I don't resigned. I don't know. It doesn't matter. None of it matters. What does matter is the Lions are in a market for a new offensive coordinator. We touched on some of those names last time. Uh, Ryan, I don't think we've heard your take yet. You weren't on that show with us. Do you have any like? What what are you looking for in the next Lions offensive coordinator? And are there any names out there that are like, I want this guy? Um, my short answer is no. Uh, uh, like a little bit of a longer <laughs> answer though is that I I'm not really too sure if it matters all that much because what we've heard from Matt Patricia is that the Lions are kind of heading in this direction where it's about like ball possession and like time of possession and like controlling the football. And a lot of those things sound like running the football. So Bob Quinn's presser essentially boils down to this is going to be Matt Patricia's hire. Matthew Stafford probably won't be like consulted um, in terms of like being somebody who's in on any like interviews or anything like that, or um, names being like tossed his way like this is going to be Matt Patricia's hire so like in terms of an offensive coordinator like I want a guy who like wants to get vertical with his offense and throw the ball down the field and do things that the Rams and the Chiefs and a lot of these other exciting offenses in the NFL do um, however I really think that this is going to be Matt Patricia's guy. And if it's Matt Patricia's guy, look what we look what the Lions did in the draft last year. They addressed it by getting a running back beefing up the interior offensive line. It seems like the Lions are heading in this direction where it's going to be um, more of a run offense. So 
I'm sure that Matt Patricia is going to hire a guy who's like in harmony with that. Like, I don't, I don't see him getting a guy that I particularly would like. So, yeah, that's my I, take. I want to, I want to talk on this because I feel like this is becoming a a bigger and bigger anxiety amongst Lions Twitter right now is that the Lions offense is going to be this run heavy, you know, Baltimore Ravens, Seattle Seahawks type of offense more so than, uh, you know, like you said, the Chiefs or the Rams and. Well, I think there, there's certainly something to that, especially, as you mentioned, kind of the personnel moves that the Lions made last offseason. I think people are reading a little bit too much into some of the words that are being said by both Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia because it, here's, here's a clip from Bob Quinn's uh, press conference. He says, I think we want a balanced attack, like we talked about before. We want to be able to run the ball. We want to be able to use our quarterback because he has a ton of talent. And so to me, it it's just, it's noticing. I mean, it, it's what we were talking about a year ago, right? Like. We're talking about Matthew Stafford needs this running game because they've been 30th and 32nd and 31st and, you know, bottom five for how many years in running the ball? I was going to say, I was going to say, we've probably been talking about that for like what, nine years? Yeah. Yeah. And so I I think Matt Patricia came in here and is like, this, you can't succeed like this if you aren't able to at least hit four yards a carry. And he's right. He's absolutely right about that. You look at the Chiefs, you look at the Rams, those teams are running the ball pretty damn well too. Yes, they like to go vertical, but they need to run the ball in certain situations too, and they do. And so that's what I really think is happening here, is, is that this Lions team is, is trying to, yes, establish the run, but I think they're doing that to make Matthew Stafford a better and more comfortable quarterback, and it didn't work out this year for, for a myriad of reasons. I think some of it had to do with predictable play calling early on. Certainly towards the end of the year, it had more to do with personnel, I think, um, the fact that Matthew Stafford had no one to throw to. Um, but when this offense was rolling, I mean, look at that Miami game. That's the kind of offense that we want to see. They were throwing downfield in that game too. I mean, I think we all kind of get hung up on the 240 rushing yards in that game, but Matthew Stafford was electric in that game. And I think that's the game that you want to circle and be like, okay, that's, that's where we want this offense to be headed. And, and I don't think it's necessarily going to look like, I think a lot of people are really panicked now because, uh, Last week, Matt Patricia said something like, you know, you need to be able to run the ball in, in January and December that like you'll you'll see. And then the Seahawks go and refuse to air it out against. Uh, who did they Dallas. play like? against yeah, Dallas, Dallas? Thank you. And <laughs> and they just they were running the ball and running themselves into the ground. But I, I really don't think this is going to be a run first offense. I think this is just a team that wants to be adaptable. I mean, later in the Bob Quinn press conference, he says, you know, we're not going to be four wide every play and throw it 45 times. That's not how, how you win. But, you know, if, if it, the opposing team has a bad run defense, we want to run it. We might want to run it 30 times. If they have a bad pass offense, we might want to throw it 40 times. Um, we just want to be adaptable based on whoever our, our opponent is that week. And we, we need someone that's adaptable, that, that has a scheme that, that benefits the players that are in it. Because he also mentioned the, the players change, right? And we saw that this year. And we saw the, and I think this was really kind of uh, a dig at Jim Bob Cooper without mentioning him. He said, you know, your, your personnel doesn't look the same in week one as it does in week nine. And I mean, if you literally look at the personnel from week one to week nine, it was very different. And we saw Jim Bob Cooper just kind of try to shove Bruce Ellington into the Golden Tate role. And we all saw how that worked. So um, I, I think, I, granted, all these are kind of buzzwords, right? Like he's saying, you know, we need someone adaptable and scheme and blah, blah, blah. And every every head coach or general manager is going to throw out those terms, but I don't quite get the hand wringing about the whole running game thing. Cause I think it's just being overplayed a little bit. Are there any names out here that actually interest you guys so far, or can, can we shoot down now? Like so, someone was like talking about kitchens turning down the job or something. That was just a dumb Instagram thing from what I understand. So I don't, what, like, what, what do you, is there anyone out there that kind of fits this criteria that you guys are putting out of well, like being adaptable and having the perfect nirvana of, of pass and run? I think, I think the one thing that scares people about those comments is that they, they, they think Patriots guys. And so maybe it means an internal hire. Maybe it means, you know, someone within the depths of, of the Patriots thing, but just really quick on, on Freddie kitchens before I jump into kind of the meat of that question is, I do like Freddie Kitchens. He's an exciting offensive coordinator, um, young mind. Um, the, the report you're referring to is the Browns have turned down a couple teams from interviewing him because they want to finish their own head coaching hire first, and he's up for that job. 
Um, mm-hmm. Someone speculated that the Lions were one of those teams, but there's been no, there's been no actual sources saying that. So um, yeah. just, just to clear that up. Um, but in terms of, you know, like I said, those, those, terms adaptability and, and balance and stuff like that. They're kind of buzzwords. I think every offensive coordinator would like to argue that they're doing a little bit of that. Um, so there isn't one guy necessarily that sticks out to me. Um, I, I guess, I don't know. I mean, I, I still like Kitchens, maybe most of every, anyone. Adam Gase, I think at this point, is kind of a pipe dream. I think he's going to land an offensive coordinator job. He's been doing the rounds. Um, other than that, I mean, this this coaching search just seems so wide open for me. And the and the best example of that is is Chris Burke over at the Athletic. He put out a list of potential candidates, and it's like forty people long. And I don't feel strongly one way or the other, not only in terms of my own preference, but where the search could go. I mean, they could do internal, and it wouldn't surprise me. They could go externally, and it wouldn't really surprise me all that much. They could go a, a run guy, a pass guy. I don't really know at this point. And in a way, it's terrifying and exciting at the same time. I wish we would have been able to get in a question of, about Bob Quinn to Bob Quinn to see where they are at this point in the, in the hire, because I feel like this is going to be a slow moving process um, with eight head coaching openings and, and still no uh, indication that any of those are, are near an end. Uh, it might take a while for the dominoes to fall. Cause I, I think some of these offensive coordinator candidates are, are holding out hope that they might get an, a head coaching job. Hmm. Jeremy, I know in an earlier podcast, you had mentioned about how, uh, you wanted to see Matt Patricia kind of go outside of um, his his current circle in the yeah. NFL and and hire somebody who isn't necessarily a part of either the Patriots tree or even his ties back to Syracuse or wherever it may be. But like, would you be so? I mean, is it something where if he doesn't go outside of his comfort zone, if he doesn't go outside of his circle, like, are you going to be very adverse to the decision that he makes or? Or, or do you feel like it's just kind of like a wait and see thing? It, it's honestly the answer is probably a little bit of both. Um, I'm, I'm going to wait and see on the individual. I don't want to just throw everyone into like, oh, if he, if you've ever hung out with Matt Patricia, you can't be hired <laughs> by him. But but at the same time, yeah, I, I certainly want to see. I still hold by the fact that I would rather him go outside of his comfort zone and get get a, a challenging mind because, as I said back then, as as his new year's resolution, I feel like you grow as a person when you surround yourself by different minded people. And so I would love for him to surround himself with a different minded person that at least, you know, agrees with him on the core basics, you know, that, that maybe balance, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. But um, yeah, just someone who he, he admires maybe. And, and like I said, back then, like his experience as a defensive coordinator should really be of a ton of use right now because he's had to game plan against a lot of offensive minds in this league. And so I hope he kind of draws up on maybe that experience rather than, you know, working side to side with a guy. Hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm like, I'm like looking down names here and just, I don't know. I'm just calling me skeptical about the whole search right now, especially about the part about Patricia ever going outside his comfort zone. But you know, we'll see. Uh, anything else? What, any last words on offensive coordinator before we move on? Have Sam join us. I hope it's someone good. <laughs> That's the only hope. That is are are you? What? Let me let me let me jump in here. Sorry, real quick. Is what? What's your thoughts on the fact that Bob Quinn is completely putting this on Matt Patricia? Because I I thought that was kind of an interesting comment from him, where he's just like, "Yeah, you know, I'm stepping back. This is Matt Patricia's hire. This is his squad." Um. I mean, obviously the two kind of think alike and, and they have, they, they work together side by side, but I don't know. I, I was a little surprised by that comment. Yeah. I uh, guess for whatever reason, I, I trust Quinn more than I trust Patricia at this point, but I kind of feel Ryan. the same way. <laughs> I, I, I feel completely in line with what Chris just said. Like, I don't know. It, it just seems like, Bear in mind, I'm not giving un, unwavering trust to Quinn either. I'm just, I'm just saying on on a scale, it's it's more to Quinn. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I get, I get what you're saying, but I, I think that the reason why I'm a bit skeptical and kind of even a little bit nervous about Bob Quinn handing over the keys to the search to Patricia solely is that I just saw what he did with a nine and seven football team that admittedly had some turnover, but we saw them take a step back and. Maybe that has to do with some of the decisions he made. I'm I'm just even kind of wondering, like, 
what happened with Jim Bob Cooter. Like, I'm really, I don't know. I'm just, I'm really interested to know like what the conversation was at the beginning of last season mm-hmm. or uh, at the, you know, at the beginning of this season, um, what, what that conversation was between Quinn and Patricia about the offensive coordinator position to begin with, you know, like, I mean, obviously he brought in a new defensive coordinator when Tara Lawson was let go, but was, was Jim Bob Cooter, was he off, was he off limits? Was it something where it was a wait and see approach? Was it something where Quinn didn't necessarily feel that Patricia was up to the task of selecting a new offensive coordinator, but now after a season, he feels more comfortable, obviously giving him that freedom and autonomy to find somebody else. It's um that's that's one of maybe the questions that I would have liked to have seen asked during the press conference. I think if there was something that could have been touched on a little bit more. All right, let's leave it there. We will continue talking about the offensive coordinator role. I think throughout the off season, probably as we look more at some more candidates and start thinking about what this Lions team is going to look like going into the future. But let's put Jeremy and Ryan to the side here. I'm going to be talking with Sam Dodge next on the Pride of Detroit POD Cast. Get you all all your maize and blue news about all of the prospects coming out or maybe some guys who might try to come out early or someone who might stay. And we'll see what we have here because the draft is long. There's quite a bit of it, but you always want to get the guys nearest home out of the way first. And that's next on the Pride of Detroit. All right, back again here on the Pride of Detroit PODcast, prideofdetroit.com. I'm going to let everyone else take a uh, second to sit on the sidelines for this one. So we've been meaning to dive into draft talk for a while, and I think the best place to do that is to start with all the in-state schools, get the Michigan bias out of the way right now. So we'll be talking with Michigan, hopefully Michigan State, and maybe someone who covers the MAC for the directional Michigan schools before we start spreading out more and more. Well, we will be spreading out, obviously, pretty early on to other uh, high draft names. We want to talk about the local guys first. And to start that, we'll start with the maize and blue. We'll start with University of Michigan. Sam Dodge is here. He writes for maizeandbrew.com. He's an old colleague of mine, a classmate I had while I was going to USC. Sam, it's been a long time. How you been, buddy? I've been good. I've been good. I, uh, Spend uh, a lot of time in Ann Arbor, and now I'm back in L.A. Um, just uh, doing my thing. Doing your thing. Well, let's talk about Michigan. Uh, let's talk about Michigan. You were up in Ann Arbor, and now the Wolverines, of course. By the time everyone hears this recording, the Peach Bowl will be well said and done. But let's talk about some of the players we could see going from Michigan to the NFL. Because I think whenever the uh, – whenever – pro football fans start looking at the draft. I think it's always a something that you do is you always look at your local schools first. You always, especially with the lions, Michigan overlap. So let's start there. Who would you say? uh, I mean, I think a lot of, a lot of uh, attention has been given to Rashawn Gary, but who's some other names you might know out there who might be going high up in this draft? Well, you got to start with the guys that have, officially declared right. um, and uh, particularly the early guys. So Devin Bush at middle linebacker, kind of a new prototypical sideline to sideline guy um, that you've been seeing a lot of, uh, you've seen a lot in the NFL, uh, 5'11", 230. Um, and he's deciding to, you know, he's going to the NFL now. Um, there's been a little bit of speculation about Lavert Hill and David Long. Um, two corners, and if you look at Pro Football Focus, their numbers are insane. They allow you know below 40 on QBRs. You know, completion percentage is you know in the barely double digits. I mean, these guys are absolute lockdown guys. Haven't declared yet, but if they do, they could go in the first couple of rounds. Um, and Gary, Rashawn Gary, is obviously the the crown jewel, you know, from this class. But he's also he's been recovering from an AC. Uh, you know, pointer injury this year. So his hip has really limited his explosiveness. And so instead of a top five pick, what a lot of people thought he was going to be, he might be more just first round, merely top 32 pick. 
Yeah, and I think it's fascinating because I think the Lions are probably going to have here something probably in the definitely in the first half of this draft, probably almost in the top ten, depending how things shake out here. Uh I'm I'm curious because both Rashawn Gary and then some of those corners you're talking about are big needs for the Lions right now. I th- I think a lot of fans believe that they will draft based on their needs on defense. And I mean, you have Darius Slay for the Lions. Uh and I think a guy like like Long could even compliment him, but then of course, yeah, Rashawn Gary is is obviously like top of this class right now, and I think that's probably the enticing pick, especially with the Lions needing an edge rusher. So what what do you um, Rashawn Gary? I'm just looking up his numbers here real quick. Uh, so I, I'm I'm going to let you know right yeah. now if you're looking for uh, edge rusher, Rashawn Gary's not really what you're looking for. He's more right. of an anchor, strong side edge. Um, he's a bigger body, you know, six four, two eighty. Um, his sack numbers have been, you know, middling. He's, you know, getting. I think this year he had three and a half sacks, and a lot of that was limited by, you know, injury and teams double and triple teaming him. Um, but even the year before, it was only around five and a half, six sacks, something in that range. So he's not a consistent, you know, good around the left tackle type of guy. He's really much more of a hold the point at the edge of the uh, of uh, at the edge of attack, you know, running back comes at him. He's able to string out the play and funnel things inside. He's, he is a good athlete. He's really strong. He's he's an absolute great piece and a great role player on an NFL defense, but not necessarily a great edge rusher. I think if you're looking for a really good defensive piece, I think you're spot on with David Long. Um, and Lavert Hill, I think is. Definitely got the potential to be a great outside corner, kind of like Darius Lane. But if you're looking for a more, you know, in-your-face press, man-to-man guy, a little bit more physical, a little bit better run defender as well, I think David Long's your man. Yeah, I think I think Dave, we could see David Long's draft stock kind of soar a little bit. I don't know if the Lions will want to take another corner in the first in the first round, but it is something tempting given how the Lions' defense has evolved. Uh, moving to some other positions real quick, I guess I should ask um, about Karan Higdon. Now the Lions have, you know, carry on Johnson, but where could we potentially see Higdon go in this draft? Well, Higdon's, Higdon's an interesting one because I mean, he's the Michigan's first thousand yard rusher since 2011. And that was Fitzgerald Tucson ended up with the Steelers and he's kind of fizzled out, been a practice squad guy, you know, unassigned free agent for a couple of years now. Um, but Higdon, his physical tools are certainly there. You know, at 5'11", 200, 208, you know, he's got enough, you know, thickness and speed and straight ahead speed to really, you know, get into the secondary and be productive and grind out tough yards. You know, all of that is there. One of the things that he's been criticized a little bit is he's not the best at reading holes and making the cut at the right time. Um, he sometimes tries to just barrel in behind his 300-pound guards that you got at Michigan and just kind of fall ahead for five yards. And I don't know if that's the most dynamic, you know, look that you want in a running back to kind of complement on Johnson. Um, he's an okay receiver, but he's not, you know, he, I don't know if he'd be a great complement or a third down back. He's probably more of like a third or fourth round guy that could, you know, fill in as a straight-ahead runner for a for a bad team, um, not a team with an already established running back like Johnson. Yeah, and I think Lions fans already have their run straight at the pile guy already, too, when it comes to... I mean, they got LeGarrette Zach, Blunt. LeGarrette Blunt and Zach Zenner take your pick there at the bottom of that pile. Could Shea Patterson be a backup quarterback in the NFL, or do you think he could possibly even get to starter level somewhere? I was actually thinking about this, um, you know, kind of the comparison is there's another transfer quarterback a few years ago that ended up as a Lions quarterback in Jake Rudock. Um, and Jay Patterson transferred from Ole Miss, Jake Rudock transferred from Iowa. And you look at the trajectories of both of those guys, you know, Jake Rudock really took off at the end of the year, he top 3,000 yards, dominated against uh, SEC defense in Florida, and, you know, really went from an undrafted guy to a six-round draft pick. and you know, had a cup of coffee as a backup in the NFL. Chip Patterson has better physical tools, but, you know, Jake Rudock, you know, famously, 4-0 student, you know, medical degree, like that's a smart cookie. 
not saying Shea Patterson isn't there, but he hasn't transitioned and understood the offense as quickly as a guy like Jake Rudock. So that's a guy that right now is probably a backup. Um, probably would need to be in a system for a few years to really understand what's going on. But if he stays in Ann Arbor one more year, he can really progress. He can really absorb and soak up, you know, Jim Harbaugh's tutelage. And by next year, that's a guy that the physical tools and the mind could really meld together and form you know, a first round or maybe a first couple of round quarterback. Yeah, I think I think Lions fans will keep an eye on it, if only because as general manager Bob Quinn has shown, the Lions do tend to draft quarterbacks in late rounds. Just just take a flyer, see what happens with them. Just, you know, it just seems to be one of Quinn's MOs. Uh, you did mention you did mention Jim Harbaugh, and not to beat a meme, but I think we can all safe to say he will be back in 2019, and no one should be trying to pencil him in for any kind of NFL job. <laughs> I, what I loved <laughs> is uh, what, what one of the things that we followed really closely is the Daxton Hill recruitment, um, you know, the five-star safety out of Oklahoma, and a lot of speculation. And I have my sources in Tulsa that I was uh, talking to really closely, and what we found out was. You know, there was a, a lot of the rumors about Jim Harbaugh potentially going to Green Bay or some of these other openings. There's a lot of like, oh, well, that's coming from, you know, opposing fan bases. It's coming from opposing fan bases, from opposing coaching staffs. Flips to Alabama, and then Jim Harbaugh says, hey, I'm not going anywhere. Like, I got my goals in front of me. And 11 days later, you know, he flips back to Michigan, and then you find out, oh, Nick Saban has all these rumors that he's going to Green Bay. So it's clearly there's rumors from both coaching staffs going on right now and uh yeah of course Jim Harbaugh is going to stay he lives you know a couple houses down from where Bo Beckler lives he loves taking his kids to St. Thomas school and in Ann Arbor and like he's he absolutely he's an absolute Michigan man and I think the only way he leaves is if he chooses to leave you know when he's done coaching when he's when he's reached his goals as a getting a Big Ten championship, getting a Rose Bowl, getting a national championship. Those are the only times I think he would leave. Yeah, so I, 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 it's funny you mention that because I, I know that's definitely a tactic in college, but I think for some NFL, fan, NFL fans, the read has always been that the NFL jobs are the biggest ones, are the biggest football jobs in the universe, but it's clearly not always the case. And no, I, I'm with you on that. I was there when he at the Big Ten uh, media days when he first got that Michigan job. And I could tell you he was the happiest man in the room that day. He wanted to be at Michigan more than I think he ever wanted to be at any other NFL job in the world. Yeah, and, and one more thing to kind of add on that is everyone in the NFL media beat was saying there's no way Jim Harbaugh leaves the NFL. He may leave San Francisco, but there's no way he leaves the NFL for Michigan. There's absolutely no way. For weeks and weeks, these were the rumors. And they were all wrong. He ended up going to Michigan. There are people in the Michigan beat who understood that he was going to Michigan. And who are all the people that are saying, hey, Jim Harbaugh, there's, he's, no way, there's no way he's staying in Michigan. He's going to the NFL. The NFL media beat. I think they just don't understand Jim Harbaugh at this point in the same way that the Michigan media understands Jim Harbaugh. Well, it, yeah, it's that. But I also think, again, like there is some primacy, assumption of primacy there. Like everyone was like just, you know, Go back to USC. You know, we both went to USC. Cliff Kingsbury gets that OC job there, but everyone started freaking out because he. It seemed like he was kind of poo-pooing on the Rams, and it's not like. And they were like, "How can you turn down? You know, being an assistant for the Rams to be the OC at a college job?" And I don't think some people in the pros realize like college jobs are fine. They're almost as prestigious depending on the school. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. you're talking about USC and, and Michigan and great brands and in all of sports. All right. Um, one more thing I want to talk to you about. Step away from football for a second. We got, got we're it. talking here with Sam Dodge of mazenbrew.com. Uh, I want to talk a few minutes about Michigan basketball. Um, this is the time of year where Detroit Lions fans, they're watching some of the NFL playoffs. Some of them has checked out. They're all kind of parachuting in. They'll be touching down to start watching Pistons basketball and Michigan basketball and Red Wings hockey. So in, a, in the pilot for an episode of, of our POD cast, I'm calling tentatively, what have we missed so far? Can you just fill <laughs> us in in like about a couple minutes on how the Michigan basketball season has gone 
in 2018 and where you see their prospects looking uh, leading up to the NCAA tournament? We can't really ask for anything more out of Michigan this year. They're the number two team in the country uh, at, the rec- at this recording. Um, they, they're undefeated. They beat North Carolina by 17 at home, and it wasn't really even that close. It got to the point where Roy, Roy Williams was beat red and losing his mind and talking about how embarrassing you know, his coaching performance was at you know, the postgame. So Michigan's done absolutely everything they needed to do. They avenged last year's national title loss in Philadelphia, beat Villanova by 27. Um, so they've done absolutely what they've needed to do. Uh, one of the things that they've done that with is they've got a really fantastic defense. Luke Yaklich is their quote-unquote defensive coordinator, if there's such a thing in college basketball. And they're number four, uh, number five, depending on the day, in terms of efficiency defense. You go to KenPomeroy.com, you can find out you know, all those efficiency ratings. But they've also really improved on offense. They've got a great freshman from Canada, uh, Ignis Rosdakis. Uh, he looks like uh, Draco Malfoy from the Harry Potter movies, and but <laughs> he's much more competent than he, he ever was. Um, and then they also have got a lot of swagger with uh, their shooting guard, Jordan Poole. And they've got a bunch of other you know role players like Charles Matthews and Isaiah Livers and John Teske, seven foot. And he's blocking everything in sight. So they've really figured out a team that's not Duke in terms of five-star talent, but they've really configured each other well. And I would say right now they're the Big Ten champion favorite. I think that's I think that's pretty much fair. I don't really know who even touched them right now. They look like, as you say, insanely good. All right, uh, Sam Dodge. Uh, you can find him on Twitter. Let me make sure I get this right. Uh, Sam Go Dodge. Yep, I yes. got that right. You can find his stuff out there. He writes all over the place, mostly with Maze and Brew right now. But I know you've previously had some stuff covering high school sports in the Daily Pilot and the Los Angeles Times. So. Go check him out again. Twitter is at Sam Go Dodge. Get get my guys some follows. And uh, Sam, hope to talk to you again at some point here down the line for more Michigan uh, Michigan sports. We'll have to work on getting you a, a full a full size microphone so you can be a big boy podcaster next time you join us too. <laughs> Absolutely, Chris. It's my pleasure, and I love doing it. All right, thank you very much. We'll be right back here on the Pride of Detroit POD Cast. Mail time, hashtag AskPOD. Use that hashtag on Twitter. Send us your questions. This is a time of the podcast where we get really goofy, really fun, having fun just to sit down and read your questions. Usually they've been about the Lions, but uh, more than often we just find our new wave of memes and funny stuff in here, especially with the offseason coming up. We have to start leaning more on stuff like list casts and uh, anything else that we really can. And unfortunately, in the weeks after the, the, the folding of a Lions season, uh, there's usually a lot of people who are sending us just uh, salty stuff. But you know what? We're, we're going to find the fun stuff in here. And that's where we're going to start. And before we start to, again, thank you to Sam Dodge from Mason Brew. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Sam Go Dodge. And uh, yeah, that's all we have there. Uh, I, Jeremy, I I almost had a habit. Almost said, "Let's read the reviews." I'm like, "Wait nope. a minute, we haven't read reviews in like months." So what you got for me? Hit me, hit me with the question. Let's let's see here. Where where, where do you want to start? Where do you want to start? Heavy on lions? Or you want to start somewhere in the weeds? Let's let's go with one lions on the top, and then we're gonna get silly. Okay. Um, are you sure? Yep, hit me. Just, just hit it me. Michael Garrett, can we finally admit releasing Ebron was a mistake? Or do we have to keep up the charade that he was the worst draft pick in the history of draft picks in any sport, in any country, at any level, on any planet? <laughs> that sounds to me like someone who's not a podcast listener. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we've been beating this Ebron. What, like, what do you, oh, fine. It's going to make people mad. What did you think of his performance? Uh, in the Indianapolis wildcard game. I mean, it wasn't all that different from some performances we saw with the Lions, especially last year. 
that's the thing. Like, I don't think Eric Ebron is any better of a player right now than he was in Detroit. He's just getting put in better situations, and that's 100% on coaching. 1,000% on coaching. He also doesn't have the perception that fans, like fans would never let go of this idea that Ebron just drops everything that goes his way. We've proven time and time again, he had an average, like he had a completion percentage that was like on average with most of the top tight ends out there. Yeah, I mean, he does, he does have a bit of a drop problem. It's not, gr- he doesn't have great hands for certain. And he dropped a pass in the, in the wild card game. And you could argue that it was jarred loose, but he clearly didn't have it completely when he got hit. Um, but yeah, they're just putting him in really good situations. They know where his strengths are and his athleticism and, and they're getting him the ball. And if you look at his raw numbers, they're not really all that different. His catch percentage is all the same His targets are on par with what he was getting last year and yardage is there too. It's just touchdowns. And so you, you think about this Lions team that has struggled in the red zone for years now, probably weren't using Eric Ebron like they should have been in the last few years. And, and, the the Colts are making them look embarrassed, embarrassing right now. Ryan, you have anything on this, or should I give you uh, the follow up question relating to tight ends? Ooh, um, I will give you one quick answer. The Lions would have been a better football team this year with Eric Ebron. Mm-hmm. Now, give me your follow up question. From Shamu S two D two, it's kind of related, so I'm lumping this in here. Are there any proven free agent tight ends hitting the market this spring? And if so, like, are there any that you would want to see? Well, I know that the Lions answer at tight end is not going to be Luke Wilson. Oh, God, no. Um, And I don't think it's going to be Levine Toilolo, although he did prove to be like serviceable. And I wouldn't mind to see him come back in a like a reserve role, um, especially because of the you know, the opportunities that he had in the red zone. And then also um, as a blocker, and he also caught that pass from Matt Prater. So I think that should get him at least one more year service. Um, Don't want to break up that continuity. Right. Exactly. How about Jared Cook? I mean, I don't know if he'll go back to Oakland. We'll see, but he had such a productive season this year for a terrible Oakland team. Um, He is a little bit long in the tooth. He's going to be 33 years old, but uh, I'm, I'm for it. Uh, you know, the Lions did, you know, you know, Bob Quinn said that he exhausted um, all of his resources during the season to try to get a tight end. Um, I, I wouldn't mind seeing him take a stab at Jared Cook, a, a veteran guy who has proven himself. I, I would just rather the Lions go out on a limb and get somebody who has a track record and is also healthy. So, I mean, I'm not even keen on the idea of like them trying to go out and get somebody like Rob Gronkowski but I just want them to go out and get somebody who has actually like been productive, not another Luke Wilson retread. But like it's healthy cuts out Tyler Eifert. Right. <laughs> yeah, and, not, and not I mean, if we were to, to narrow down your, the search by your, your definitions there, I think Jared Cook is literally the only example on free agency. Right. Like there's no, no one else out there that, at least it's a hard under position. 35 years old. Yeah. It's a hard position to find free agents for. Cause yeah. I think nowadays, like if you have a good one, you just hang on to it for dear life. Unless you're the lions. Apparently. <laughs> Shut up. Griffin asking us another question about free agency. Uh, and in, oh, not, not quite free agency, but still an Antonio Brown trade in Pittsburgh is likely to happen. What's the asking price does, or should Detroit have interest odds of landing Le'Veon Bell? Uh, let me just put it this way. Don't overreact like everyone else, like goddamn Peter King to Antonio Brown skipping out on a practice. Like everyone, everyone's flipping out and everyone's going to the mattress for like Steelers ownership, but I'm going to predict that fizzles out. I I'm with you. I definitely don't agree that this looks like it's going to happen. Yes. It it does sound like there are reports out there that Antonio Brown requested a trade. And yes, it does seem like there's a Rocky relationship between him and Ben Roethlisberger, but I don't know. I, I just don't see them taking on a $21 million cap hit by trading him. That seems ridiculous to me. And I feel like for a team, it's going to cost him at least a first round pick, probably somewhere close to two, I would think. And that is a price I am absolutely not willing to pay. Absolutely not. And then Le'Veon Bell, another costly free agent guy. I don't think this team needs uh, a running back of his caliber. I've, I've mentioned it a lot of times on this podcast. I don't think about before. Yeah. I don't think investing in a running back that heavily is, is a good way to build the team. 
I think it's a really poor way. In fact, I think you get a guy young, you get a guy like carry on Johnson. I, I, again, I wasn't a fan of trading up for him, but you, you get someone that's serviceable, maybe a little bit better than that. And then you build an offensive line that can block for them. I mean, we've seen Zach Zenner succeed behind this offensive line. We we've seen Theo Riddick su- succeed this year a little bit running the ball against this offensive line. Don't go all in on, on one of those two guys, because while this offense needs a playmaker or two more, the prices for those two guys are just going to be way too high. Far too high. And I still have faith in carry on Johnson. Somebody, I, I have faith in his durability. I think that why? if, why? Yeah. Um, I have faith in it because I think that carry on Johnson maybe would have been able to play towards the end of the season. Had the lions been playing for something. That's fair. I mean, he basically said as much too. Right. And I mean, I appreciate the team being like overly cautious with him. Um, and I know, you know, durability issues and concerns were everything that was talked about him pre-draft and then it kind of played into it. But I don't think that this is like a necessarily like a Dalvin Cook situation or something uh, of the such. Like I, I have faith that, you know, carry on Johnson will be relatively healthy with that said the asking price for Antonio Brown has to be like in the neighborhood or it needs to at least be like orbiting what Khalil Mack commanded, right? Like, I mean, you're talking about multiple first round picks and maybe, maybe like a, instead of like a third round pick, maybe like a fourth round pick or or something of the such. Like, I mean, otherwise the Steelers just won't trade him. I mean, I'm sure that the Steelers got like, you know, non-insulting trade offers for Le'Veon Bell and they took they took that entire scenario as an opportunity to show how much control they have over players I don't think that they would hesitate to have a you know have a redux with Antonio Brown and the situation that seems like it's playing out now I think it's more likely Roethlisberger leaves the Patriots before Brown does if I don't Ben Roethlisberger that... played for the Patriots I think I think that'd be the case <laughs> I say Patriots I'm in the <laughs> You jumped on it before I could, you son of a bitch. Hunter Henry. <laughs> He'll back, have an opportunity. Baby. He'll have an opportunity to play next week, yes. right? Yep. Yeah, Chargers he's, moving on. That's right. He's going to put up 600 yards and finish fifth in stats. In one game? Because <laughs> yep. they're going to lose. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> Are they playing the, the Chiefs? They're playing the Patriots. Dang it. Never mind. They can win. Patriots suck. Jeff asking us, uh, why does, and this is a language warning for the very sensitive ears at home. Why does Mitch Album think Detroiters don't say motherfucker? I saw somebody say that so, that Detroiters use that word as a comma. Like I <laughs> Okay, we does this need background? I think this needs some background, really right? Quick, so, really quick. Go for yeah, it. Really quick. Um newly Newly minted US representative from Michigan, uh Rashida Tlaib. Uh I is it Tlaib or Tlaib? I I'm sorry. I, I can't really say it right. Anyway, she's now um, like she she said what everyone's on, on kind of the cent- the left of the center in this country think is thinking when she says the words she's talking about impeaching that motherfucker. In this case, the motherfucker talking about Trump. And now every norm scolding wag in the country is now just in their vapors about her using a profanity, including our favorite man. Tuesdays is Mori motherfucker. Bitch album. <laughs> The man, the musical motherfucker. Yeah, see, I use it as the comma there. That's how you use it. I just want to ask Mitch Album, a man who also believes that any rape victim who gets like you know winnings from a civil case should give it to charity so he can feel better about it. I would ask him, have you ever actually gone to a Lions game? Because I'm pretty sure motherfucker is like one of the most common words said at a Lions game. That's all. Yeah. I was going to say, I think that if they if they generated like a word cloud based yeah. on things that were said during Lions games, that word would be the biggest word. Lions, pop up in the Stafford, word cloud. Lions Stafford, SOL, motherfucker, fuck, SOL, like it, it'd be it. Yeah, yeah, it'd be it'd be it'd be the seven words you're not allowed to say on TV sketch is what it would be. All right. Next question. Joey Lawnicki. Had more trouble with that with uh, than Rashida's last name. What which always sunny in Philadelphia character is each of the POD staff? Now, when we were screening these questions, we came to a horrible realization, a horrible revelation from Ryan. He hasn't seen it's always sunny. So, so we're just turning this 
question into scolding Ryan for not no, seeing it. No, I'm not scolding him. I am encouraging him to go <laughs> see It's Always Sunny. And the answer to this is, and I hate to name myself first, but I'm just going to go ahead and claim Frank. Yep. I, I, I'm going to go ahead and concur. You're Frank. <laughs> <laughs> now the question is, who are you? Who am I? <clears throat> I don't know. I I don't want to say like Dennis. Charlie. I'm, you think I'm Charlie? Really? Maybe. I, I don't know. Hmm. And you kind of threw me for the loop as soon as you said Dennis, as I was saying, Charlie. Yeah, I, I don't, I mean, I don't think you really want to be any of these characters, but <laughs> that's, I said that's Dennis kind of the only because he's the self-proclaimed proclaimed leader and, you know, fearless leader. So, boring answer. say Alex, who's Alex? I don't, see, I don't know if any of our guys are eccentric enough, except for maybe you. <laughs> That's not no, meant I'm, to be an insult. I, I should take the, we're just I know, all, no, we're I'm all white it bread in your pumpernickel. I'm, I'm, <laughs> pumpernickel. Pumpernickel's the one you use there. I don't know. Wow. Ryan, you really should see It's Always Sunny. Yeah, I'll add it to the list of 100 shows that I haven't watched. Push this to the top of the pile. I'm re-watching Community right now, so I'm enjoying How that. are you? Yeah. The show is really good. What community character are you? <laughs> I think the community character that I am is I don't know. The the the, the community character I want to be though is Troy. <laughs> <laughs> I think you got a little Troy in you. A little bit. Not enough. I should be more like Troy. There's my 2019 resolution. Be more like Troy. Yo. Whatever his last name is. <laughs> Troy Barnes. Yo, I need my genitals. (laughs) Question from Ty. Uh, Why do you think Jim Schwartz isn't getting more looks for another head coaching gig? I'm a sexy Dracula. Um, I don't think he could have been interviewed this week. Because the Eagles were preparing for the game. I think probably this season's kind of put a bit of a blemish on that. I saw some Eagles fans kind of turning on him, but I I don't know. I, I wouldn't say he's not necessarily going to be a candidate. We'll see, you know, we're recording this before bears Eagles, but if, if the Eagles get bounced, I wouldn't be surprised to see his name get thrown around a little bit. I mean, the, the other obvious answer is that everyone's just so infatuated with, with offense right now that I think you're seeing a lot of offensive candidates get, <clears throat> get interviewed for, for head coaching gigs. All right. Uh, Josh LaFon, enemy of the show. We haven't taken one from Josh in a long time. Is Joe Flacco elite? He's elite at sitting on the bench. <laughs> Didn't do him any good. Didn't see a single minute of that. And yet somehow you're going to have Baltimore radio this week just talking nonstop about what Joe Flacco would have done by not fumbling the ball at the end of the game like Lamar Jackson did or something. I don't know. Logan Smith, best Ben and Jerry's flavor? Question mark. Oof. I'm not well-versed in Ben and Jerry's, but fish food is pretty good. No, I'm with you on fish food, and I'm well-versed. Fish food is the best. Okay, there you go. Yep. Mm-hmm. That one had marshmallow in it? Yeah, marshmallows and those yeah. like dark fudge uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. fish chips things. Yeah. I, uh, I miss the days where I used to be able to eat ice cream until I developed this lactose intolerance. Womp womp. But... One of my favorite things that Ben and Jerry's did, which I'm not sure if they do anymore, but they had a frozen yogurt that was like a blueberry graham cracker. Mm. That was very delicious. I haven't had that, but that sounds really good. Yeah, I'm not even sure if they do it anymore, but for like maybe like two years, it was the only thing I'd buy out of the frozen section in terms of uh, Mm. terms of, yeah, novelties or treats. Colin Guy, is there still room for Theo Riddick on this team? Yeah, I mean, you get to keep 53 guys. I think that he would be one of the, like, 53 best players on the team if they decided to keep him. But, yeah, it's an, that's a really interesting question because the uh, because Pro Football Focus released their, their top five players for the Lions on offense and defense for the, for the entire year, and, and Theo Riddick was on it for offense, and I don't think a lot of people saw it that way. But 
he he is a valuable piece on third down, obviously as a as a run to run. Uh, sorry, pass blocker. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, but but we kind of lost his uh, his ability as a as a pass catcher this year, and I think that that could potentially like you don't really want to pay a guy what is he getting like seven million or five million or or whatever next year just to be a third down pass blocker. Like he needs to be a little bit more dimensional than that, and I'm not saying the dude can't catch passes anymore but obviously um it wasn't a focal point in in 2018 and at times it just looked like him and Matthew Stafford weren't on the same page but yeah we're talking about sorry we're talking about a 4.3 million cap hit in which the Lions can recoup almost three and a half million I don't know I that's one of the tougher decisions I think Bob Quinn is going to have this offseason and I'm I'm really kind of right in the middle right now uh I don't really have another way to end this podcast that's all it was a good podcast thanks y'all Thank you for listening to the Pride Detroit PODcast. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. Our main theme was produced by Brian Shepard. You can find him on Twitter and on SoundCloud at I am Brian Shepard. I A M B R I A N S H E P A R D. Thanks a lot to him. Check out his stuff. He's been great. He gave us Victory Monday. So go check him out. That's I am Brian Shepard. And thank you for everyone who keeps listening and makes us one of the greatest Lions podcasts possible. Y'all are awesome. See you star side. Hey, everybody. It's Neil Patel, editor-in-chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else you listen to podcasts check it out more to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals you can just use hubspot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier imagine this high quality leads fast closing deals wildly happy customers and more benchmark breaking quarters It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.